I'd like you to turn this morning to Romans 14 with me. Romans 14, thank you for your faithfulness. And to our visitors, we know that you could have gone to a lot of places, but you chose to come here this morning, and we pray that you'll be blessed as a result. I, I, I want to be an encouragement, and I say that seemingly every time I get up in the pulpit. I want to be an encouragement and a help. And uh, I love my church and my church family. That's who that is. I don't... The building I appreciate, but I love my church family. That's who the real church is, are the saints of God. Romans 14, Romans 14. And uh, man, aren't these, some, aren't, aren't these some, just some crazy days that we are in? There's, I mean, there's just no other way, you know, uh, or just no other way to explain it. Every day, or every hour, it seems like, even less than that, there's another headline, there's another... Uh, a catastrophic thing or there's another so-called crisis or something else has been revealed, a text, an email, and all that kind of stuff. And man, I, you know, it, it is so easy to become distracted, uh, if you will, about keeping the main thing as the main thing for us as believers. And you know, that's the enemy because, I mean, one of the things that he likes to do, he's not only an accuser, but boy, he likes to wear out the saints and likes to discourage us with these kind of things. And so I want to draw your attention to something today. And look with me here in Romans 14, beginning in verse 7. We'll read a few verses. The scripture says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. In other words, man, you guys cast a shadow while you're alive, and even in your passing. It affects people. It touches people. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Now he's writing to believers here. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Uh, you know, because nothing can separate us as a child of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ. Our, our, our futures have been settled by the blood of the cross at Calvary. We're secure in our faith, in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was delivered for our, our offenses and raised again for our justification. Amen. And so we are His and He is ours. And boy, if you don't know Him... Boy, today would be a great day to come to know Him, to trust Him, to call upon Him and know that your sins have been forgiven, that your name could be written in the Lamb's book of life and you could pillow your head tonight never having to worry about tomorrow again as to where you will be when you leave this world. Now, that's just line up. That's just a little extra for you today. That's not what the message is about. But boy, if you're here and you don't know Him, you really do need Him. That's the message for you. The nearest one, the one that's nearest to eternity today. And so let's keep reading. For to this end, in verse 9, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. By, but why dost thou judge thy brother? With so much going on, so much to occupy, why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And uh, I, I want to speak to you about, about something today, and that is simply about judging ourselves. 
You know, judging ourselves. The, the Lord Jesus said in, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, He said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, there's enough going on today in our lives for us to be focused on that without, without having to worry about some things tomorrow. Tomorrow will be here. And, uh, and so I, I want to encourage you in this today, if I can. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Word of God, and I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and these dear folks to have prayed. And I pray that the Spirit of God would help me communicate your truth, and, uh, Lord, to these listening ears and even beyond, Lord, to these hearts. I pray you'll bless today, Father. May the Holy Ghost be our teacher and guide in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, uh, the context here, Romans 14. What is this about? The, the, the opening verse of this says, We're to receive those. Him that's weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. In other words, what this chapter is about, Paul is trying to, if you will, illustrate to his readers, those Roman saints, if you will, that life is not really just all black and white or right or wrong. There's a lot of gray areas that are out there. That's why he will go on and say, one man esteems this day, another man esteems that day. But it says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own heart about what is right for him in those matters of personal liberties and so forth. And, and what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across to you is the Scripture says this, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Choices have consequences. Do they not? And, and, you know, and my question is, do you ever think much about the judgment seat of Christ? With so many things that are taking place and so many things that are competing for our attention and so many things that oftentimes elicit a knee-jerk reaction, whether it be verbal or it be something physical. I mean, uh, I, I, I saw something that was, uh, they had played it and uh, I, I never could get the sound. I probably didn't need the sound. There was enough action but there's something happened at a football game. This is the first football game of the season, and I think it was North Carolina and somebody else, and I forget who the somebody else's were, but there was one uh, North Carolina fan, and somebody said something, and he had enough. He jumped up, and he went right in the middle of those other fans of that other team, and he popped one of them in the face, and then his blue shirt from North Carolina disappeared. And everybody was all over him like white on rice. And, uh, and I mean, I mean, we live in a world that has just got such a short fuse and so spontaneous to everything around us. Even to the place where, where we find ourselves sometimes speaking about things that we really don't know about and don't have all the facts and don't have all the information. And, uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, I, I told this to, to my wife. I've actually thought about calling uh, Adult Protective Services. How many of y'all, uh, y'all know what I'm talking about, Adult Protective Services? And I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny here. I, I'm being serious. I've done that when I was on the ambulance, when I was a medic. I've called that for situations where uh, elderly people, adults were being abused by those around them, either by neglect or whatever. And I, honestly, I've actually thought about calling that. And they want to say, well, who it is? And I would say, it's Joe Biden. Now listen to me, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I, I think it's cruel. When I hear somebody publicly say, well, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll be in trouble if I answer your questions. Or I've been instructed to do this. 
All for the what? All to prop up something? All for show? I think that's cruel. I don't know what they would say to me. I might be on the secret service list. Who, who knows? But I certainly have thought about it because I, I've dealt with other patients that had situations like that who needed someone to help them. And it's cruel. But it's so easy for us to make, to make some of these statements. It's so easy for us. And, uh, and to, if you will, to sit here as a, as a, as a you know, an armchair quarterback and all these things. And listen to me, I was angry about all the things that I saw. I'm a veteran, you know, all those kind of things. And I'm not trying to give the government officials a pass. I'm just trying to say that for you and I, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I'm not talking about today about a morbid introspection into your own life. That's not what the scripture is teaching, and that's not what its passage is about. But you know, but but something you have to think about. I asked you, do you ever think about the judgment seat of Christ? Have you ever thought about how you can help prepare yourself for that day? You know, we really are going to stand there. You know, it's it's a blessing, man. It's a blessing to know that your sins are gone. There's a song in our songbook, the old songbook said the, the old account was settled long ago. Amen. I had a list. My name was at the top, and boy, it was getting longer every day. But I went into the keeper, and I settled long ago. But, beloved, there still is a judgment seat for us as believers, not about our sins, but about what, because Jesus met that when he died on Calvary, and we placed our faith and trust in him. But I'm still going to have to give an account for the life that I have lived since that day that I got saved. And I'm not alone in that. Guess what? You, you're going to be there too. You're going to stand before God, not with anybody else. You're going to stand before God and you'll have to give an account. And as a pastor, you know, it's part of our job to help prepare you, to help get you ready for that. And, uh, and so, so, you know, this idea of judging ourselves that we'd not be judged. I know just last week we observed the Lord's Supper. Go, go with me. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. You just turn right in your Bible. Not many chapters over, 1 Corinthians 11. We just observed the Lord's Supper and we had a little, we had a little moment there where a man, where we were able to sort of do a little inventory, a little introspection in the service. But hopefully you did that maybe more so earlier in the week or as the day progressed or whatever. You took a little time to do that. But, you know, and I, and I think that's appropriate to have that time. Notice what it says. Look in, look in verse. Uh, look in verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now I know the context here is participating in the Lord's Supper and God would rather have you participate than have you abstain because you're not willing to get right about something. Would you agree with me with that? The Lord wants to fellowship with us. And, and I'm, I'm going to say, I, I had a wonderful time. We hadn't done that in so long. Man, it was so, it was refreshing for me. I, I just enjoyed it so much. And that time to fellowship together as believers. And, uh, and, so, and so for us, but this is not the only time that we ought to be considering our, our condition or our state before the Lord. That judging ourselves is not just something that we look to or that we think about when we're preparing for the Lord's Supper, but it might be something that we're going to have to go through every day as the circumstances, as the situations of life, the troubles of life, the difficulties that we may face, some of those trials, brother, you were talking about in Sunday school, some of those things. And sometimes our reactions aren't always right. And we've got to be willing to be honest about that and take a look at those things and make those matters right. 
and keep ourselves because you know the scripture says over there in, in the book of First John, uh, it says about you know he that hath this knowledge about the Lord's return, what does he do? He purifieth himself. That means that that person is thinking about that the Lord's return. We know there's going to be a Bema seat up there. That's the judgment seat of Christ. We know that we're going to have to face that. And so, and so I, I, I just have just a few thoughts here about this. But, uh, but you and I are, are responsible, you know, I'm responsible to preach the whole counsel of God. And, 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 but you have a responsibility for your level of participation in that counsel. So what does it mean? Let me get to the first thing. Some of y'all look happy, all right? What does it mean to judge ourselves? Judge ourselves that we be not judged. In other words, you know, what that simply means is to examine ourselves on a daily basis. The word judge here, let's look at that word. Notice what it says. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. That word judge there means, it means, Brother Lauren, to separate thoroughly. It's kind of like how the ladies do when they're doing laundry. Now, I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. Sometimes Debbie, she's in the nursery. Maybe she's not tuning in exactly right now. Maybe the kids are noisy. But I confess sometimes I have... Oh, I forgot about you. And... uh, I, sometimes I confess, I have just, uh, I look at that pile right there and I just said, well, son, all that'll fit, whoop, right in the washing machine, it goes. Thank, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Have you ever done that? I want to ask you a minute. Now, some of the guys, some, uh, I expect that from you, brother Zach. You're single, all right? And, uh, but, but that's what we do. But this, but this passage says that word judge there means that literally we are to separate these things out. You know, in days gone by, in the days of diapers, not pampers, young people, young parents and all, there were actually days that we carried around buckets of cloth with us. All right? And they, they were great for washing the car and polishing after the, ba- you know, when the babies grew up and you didn't have to have that anymore. And, uh, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, you would wash those and in days gone by, there was a scrub board there and you took that one diaper out at a time. You didn't put them all in there at one time and try to scrub them all at the same time. No, you took them one at a time and you dealt with that one until it was clean. And beloved, the same thing is true about us, about our behavior, about when we get crosswise with God or we get crosswise with a brother. It's kind of the difference in, Lord, please bless our missionaries versus saying, Lord, would you please bless Brother Kenneth today and Sister Brooke in Bolivia. There is a difference in that. There's a difference in, Lord, would you bless my brethren at the church versus me calling your name out and saying, God, help them today. I know what they're facing. It's going to be hot or they may get hurt or whatever it might be. There's a difference in those things. We did them. We we offended one at a time. Beloved, they need to be dealt with one at a time. So that's really what it means to judge myself. It means, you know, and, the, and that word judge means to separate thoroughly, like separating those clothes, white, those clothes before they go in the white in one pile, dark in another, light clothes and delicates. Every day the dirty clothes are separated. And this is the reason why, because we're so bad about forgetting. We, we sort of run headlong, and sometimes the Holy Spirit plays a little catch-up 
with us. Our minds are so active, we're doing something, and then it dawns on me. It reminds me, hey, did you know you said this? You did that? Or whatever it might be. Hey, you need to get that, you need to get that settled, or whatever. And, and uh, But we're bad about forgetting sometimes. We are. We're bad about forgetting. We sort of put in there, Lord, I, just please search me and try me today, and, and know my heart, and God, please reveal anything to me, and and, uh, and then, you know, maybe you go off to sleep thanking for the day and for your family or whatever. And maybe God just wanted you to slow down a little bit so he could tell you about that thing. Like what you said, brother, we pray and we get up and we start thinking and then we do. And you say, brother, well, that takes time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So every day they have to be separated, you know, and, and sometimes... You know, sometimes we act like we're experts when other people have fouled up or messed up. <clears throat> and uh, and listen, you, you, you understand what I mean about it. I, I'm not a judge not lest you be judged. I know that's what the passage says. I know that's what the Lord Jesus said. But in its context about that, what that literally means has to do with the motive. When, so when you don't know somebody's motive and you render a decision, you rule on their life when you're ready to have no place and no... no, no uh, have no right to do that, and you don't have all the facts, and you don't have all the information, and you render a judgment. Well, you can look forward. Somebody's going to do that to you someday. They're not going to have all the information. They're not going to have all the facts, and they're going to render a judgment about your character, about your behavior, about your family, about your children. It's called surmising, and usually it means to raise suspicions. I, 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 this comes to my mind. I think about this when Sister Osborne was here and Miss Coker. One day they were out. They, they like to run the road sometimes and they were out one day and their car broke down and, and they didn't realize. They just saw this place look like a restaurant and they went in there and they realized that they got in there to call somebody to tell them, to tell family that their car was broke down, that they were in Hooters. You know, and, uh, and I think it was, I think it was Miss Osborne said, Oh boy, if everybody could see us now, I wonder if they saw us come in here, you know, and looking at her and so forth. And, you know, if some of y'all did see, you might say, Well, what are they going in there for, you know? And, uh, man, I'm just shocked at them. If they would go in there, but, and when you have no idea why they went in there. And sometimes things happen, and I'm going to say sometimes things happen in Austin, and sometimes things happen in Washington. And you know what? And what do we tell ourselves around here sometimes? Things are seldom as they first appear, and things are seldom as they are first reported. Now we like that when it when it's involving us. We like that benefit of the doubt, don't we? If you're going to be honest today, and that that's part of what this requires is honesty and humility. I'm not fussing at you, I promise. I'm just trying to help you keep the main thing the main thing. Be right with God, walk with Him, enjoy those blessings, brother, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, and get on about your business. What happens up there is going to happen. God knoweth. He puts a man in and He brings another man down, or He's going to bring a woman in, or however that's going to be. It's going to be. I just have a responsibility to try to live that quiet and peaceable life. To pray for those in authority. I don't like everything that they do. I don't like what happened to our soldiers and these people that were over there and helped us and we've left them, betrayed them. As a veteran myself, I, I, I mean, I, I'm greatly offended, angered. But it doesn't mean really that I just sit at the house and rail on them. 
You remember that passage? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Please hear me. I'm not fussing at you. I didn't vote for him, okay? Again, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just saying I have enough to take care of in Ed Tierbach's life. And you have enough to take care of in your life. Amen. You know, and it's a folly to judge others. Let, let me illustrate it like this. I mean, you know, sometimes we seem to assume that, the, you know, seldom do we assume the best about people. Seldom do we do that. And, uh, and sometimes we ascribe to them bad intentions and evil purposes that may not be true. I mean, my mother had dementia. I told Brother Dick about something I did, I did this week. You know, I, I, I was flushing out the tanks in our RV and I, I emptied the tank and I closed the valve and I purposely left the water on because I wanted to flush it, clean it out, and then put my chemicals back in it. And I told myself I'm going to go in and set my reminder for 10 minutes and I got in there and, man, I got on the computer and I looked at something that we needed for the camper and all of a sudden, man, it just dawned on me, son, I, I, have, I, I let that water run. I went outside, S- Sister Linda, look up, it ain't time to pray. Uh, oh, Sister Abby, well, I'm in good graces. A young person did this. And next thing you know, I get out there and I have like, you know, I, I, I needed a, I, Brother Doug, I needed a plumber. All right. I had water coming out the vent pipes on the top of my camper. Boy, I'm glad you all think that's funny. I was sick about that. Ran around there. Man, I, I pulled that. I shut the water off and I pulled that lever to open that tank. And good night, I thought it, the Red Sea was coming out of there. <laughs> Man, it moved. The, it, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on that baby. You ever forgotten anything? You ever got your words twisted up and turned around? Go into a room and then can't remember why you went in there? You're going to come out and tell some of your employees about it. Oh, it just hit you and you need to get out there and somebody, a patient comes by and wants to talk with you about, about the goodness of God, brother, next thing you know. But whatever I was going to tell you, it'll come back to me someday. <laughs> that kind of thing. Hey, we all have done that. Does it hurt our country? Yes, it does. Do I love my country? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I like it, see it embarrassed and shamed and so forth? Absolutely not. But it's easy, it's easy for us sometimes to quickly... Let, let me give this illustration. Dr. Ironside, if you haven't read one of his books, I'd recommend get one of his books. Dr. Ironside was talking about this. It happened in the life of a, of a preacher. And he went someplace. He was going across the ocean in one of those, in those transatlantic days when they would travel back and forth. And he was sailing for Europe on one of those things. And, and when he got on board, he saw he, he, that he was going to be sharing a... Uh, one of these rooms, if you will, one of his accommodations with a stranger. It was a man, a stranger. And so they exchanged the greetings and so forth, went on about their business, and the stranger left. And then he got to thinking about it to himself. This bishop did. He was a preacher. 
And uh, uh, he got to thinking about it, and he, so he, you know, he gathered up all his, what he thought were valuables, and he found the purser of the ship, and he goes to the purser and said, you know, I've never done this all the times that I've crossed the Atlantic Ocean. I've never felt like doing this. He said, but I, fe- I felt like doing this today. And he gathered up all his belongings and gave them to the purser, and he said, you know, I'm just not sure about the person that I'm sharing the cabin with. He said he just looked the way he was dressed and so forth. It, it just made me feel a little uncomfortable. I, I, I just didn't feel like I could trust him with these things being in there. And the person said, oh, that's okay. That's okay, Bishop. He said he was here ahead of you and said the same thing about you and brought me his stuff. If we would only learn to examine ourselves with the same enthusiasm that we seek to examine others. Did you hear that? If we would learn to examine ourselves with the same enthusiasm that we seek to examine others. Gosh, nobody in here can stand 24 hours of constant observation. Every time you turn around, every time you... you a sneeze or blink or stumble or whatever. Every time you turn around, there's somebody there with a camera or with a microphone that you know about or you don't know about or, you know, or somebody behind the scenes telling you to say this, don't do that, and you got a whole room full of people all waiting to swarm on. I wouldn't want their jobs. Now, we want them to do them well. So when we examine ourselves, that's what it means to sort through our things, our things, not sort through my things for a little bit and then spend the rest of my time sorting through on your things. (laughs) What does it take? Second thing, what does it take? It takes a desire to please Him who loved us and gave Himself for us. It takes a desire to not want to have broken fellowship. You know, I, I I mentioned you. I think the last time that I spoke, Brother Lewis, you were in you were in jail. No, no, no. Let me re, let me qualify that for you, visitors. Brother Lewis preaches in the jail sometimes, but he was in jail uh, that week, and Sister Sherry was back there. And I asked the question about, did you ever get whipped or not? Did they ever have to deal with you? And she was like, Well, I don't know. Oh, come on, I know they did. And then you told us this morning in Sunday school, and and I, which I'm not going to repeat. If you want it, you got to get the whole message. All right. But, but my point is, is that I, 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 I talked about that, and, and, and it is that what does it take? It takes a desire in our hearts. Beloved, it takes a desire in our hearts that we want to please our Father. You know, when I hadn't done what I was supposed to do, the last person that I wanted to see come home was my dad. If I had instructions or whatever, if I had a responsibility and I didn't do them, the last person I wanted to see was my dad come driving up in the driveway because I... I knew either he would ask me or he was going to see that it wasn't done. And I couldn't think fast enough on my feet as a young boy about the reasons why I didn't do it. And you know, the scripture says, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I read somewhere one time that that was the speed that it takes for a glimmer of light, like to reflect off something, hit your eye and be reflected back out. I don't know how they measured all that. They can do all this stuff these days. How fast the twinkling of an eye is, like milliseconds. That he's going to come, and on the way up, I don't think you're going to have time to say, gee, I, 
oh gosh, I just remember the, you know, the, I don't, I don't exactly know how that progression is going to be. I just know we're going to be changed because flesh and blood comes apart, beloved. It comes apart after about 40 miles an hour. Did you know that? That's one of the reasons why when I was in the military, they took a picture of my foot. I was on an air crew and I said, why are you doing that? You got my fingerprints. And they said, well, they won't be here if you crash. He said, but your foot's liable to be there. It'll still be inside your boot. And I thought, gee, you are really a comfort to me, you know. Our going out of here is going to be so fast, you're not going to have time to... Boy, I hope I see Brother Lewis on the way. Hey, brother, wait, wait. You're not going to have time to do that. You're certainly not going to have time to be doing about yourself. You say, Brother Ed, well, I ask God to forgive me and I do all these things. But But there's something about that word judging. You know, one of the things that later on, when they got in trouble, they were sickly because they didn't discern the Lord's body. They didn't, they, that was a part of that judgment, that separating. They just really didn't give it much consideration. And listen, I'm not trying to make you neurotic. I'm not trying to make you like some of uh, some folks who, you know, believe you can lose it. You know, like, I don't know if you committed a number one sin five times or a number ten sin one time or what. You follow what I'm saying? It's not about that. It's about resting in our faith and resting in the Lord in that he said it is finished, but it is about the maintenance. Everything about you guys, you guys that have your own tools and your own job, you know, your own businesses and the like, you keep up with your stuff. you got to do the maintenance on it. Why? Because you don't want that thing to fail you. In the day of responsibility. I mean, I, I watched a program uh, uh, about these soldiers. Some, uh, a guy was embedded with these Marines. And there they are. They're in, they were in Iraq at the time. And the wind is blowing and the helicopters are taking off. And it's blowing camel droppings and everything. <laughs> what are those guys doing? Some of them, rather, they got their weapon apart. And he's got like, it looks like a cosmetic brush, ladies. And he's in there with a cosmetic brush. And he's got all them pieces put apart. And he's just brushing in, like raking leaves in a in a in a windstorm. But he just stayed with it till the helicopter was gone, just kept brushing that stuff, brushing that stuff, and putting it all back in place and keeping it all clean and lubed and ready to go. Why? Because he knew that thing might make the difference between life and death. Now, I know that our home has been settled on the day that you got saved. But gosh, I'd like to have a full reward. I don't want to lose something because I didn't do something because I omitted something or I committed something and I didn't get it taken care of. And to be conscious of that in the, in the course of our talking, in the course of our living, in the course of our speaking that, hey, I'm going to be judged. You know what that scripture says? You know, I remember Brother Rogers used to have a poster in his office that said, what if every word that you said is, is, was recorded? And underneath that it said, by the way, it is. Jesus said we're going to give an account for every idle word. And what I'm asking you to do, believe that as much as you do John 3.16. What does it take? It takes some humility. It takes honesty. What, sometimes the way we handle things, we blame others. We saw that this week, didn't we, in the news? We blame others, anybody that we could be out there. I, I'm, surprised that, I'm surprised that 
the, uh, the military leaders haven't had to fall on their own sword yet. That may be coming down the road. I don't know, Secretary of Defense and Chief of Staff and so forth, as more of this stuff is revealed and whatnot. I mean, they got to play the blame game up there because nobody wants to be accountable. And, beloved, I don't want to be like the folks up there. I'd like to be like him. And I know so would you. Confess and forsake them. Ignore them, and as this passage says, that God will chasten us. Because if we don't judge ourselves, He will judge us. Why? Because He loves us. We're His children. You've been saved by the grace of God. So virtue asks the question, am I on the right track? It means doing a little inventory. What, what, what are my ambitions? What are my appetites? Have you, have you looked at those lately? Do you examine those things? Are you, are you leaning in one direction more than the other? Has something now got your attention that, that you find yourself doing more than you had in the past? Is it taking you towards the light or is it moving you away from the light? Because we're all the time bombarded by so many different things that are competing to influence us. And you've got to keep yourself upright. It's almost like being on the boat. You've got to get your sea legs, don't you, a little bit, so that you don't fall over if you're in stormy water. You've got to get your sea legs. And that's what we're talking about here. But you having enough concern in your own heart and mind to consider that in your walk, to judge yourself. My hands, my work ethic. You know, one of the things we're supposed to do when we come to the house of God, brethren, we're supposed to be able to lift holy hands without wrath and doubting. That means that we worked hard this week. We earned our pay. And, uh, and we didn't do it with a bad attitude. And we didn't chew on the boss. And we didn't, when he wasn't around, we didn't malign his character and say how sorry they were. You know, uh, man, <laughs> Brother uh, Earl Hughes used to say, poor preach, poor pay, brother. <laughs> you know, I mean, that puts it right back where it belongs. I'm just saying that our work ethic, our hardworking. And when we find something amiss, we must condemn it and deal with it. You know, Demas didn't do that. The scripture says of Demas that he having loved this present world, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. There was a time you read in the back of the book of Colossians and Demas was right there with him and he was listening and reading. He saw the things. But something happened. Something touched, something touched him that went untouched in his own life. Hymenaeus and Alexander, they were supposed to learn not to blaspheme. I don't know what those guys did. They, they overturned the faith of some about the resurrection and the like. They were messed up in their doctrine. That's usually what happens to people. But maybe when they were corrected, they ignored it. I don't know. And you know, when you go off, it's almost like the angle in geometry. You know, if you're right here, you all remember that back in those, those painful days when you were in school, the angles of geometry. You know, you get right here and here's one of these arrows, one of these rays represents the will of God. And you make the wrong decision. Next thing you know, man, you're taking off in this direction and the will of God is down here. And the longer you go unchecked, the further away you get from the will of God. So, judging myself, we looked at what it meant, we looked at what it required, and then number three, what does it mean? What will it produce? I should say, what will it produce? 
Well, to me, it, it has a cathartic effect. And I'm not, uh, this is not a 25 cent word. If you look the word up uh, in your Bible, go, to, go with me to 2 Corinthians 7. You're right there in 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 7. Almost done. When I judge myself, and I'm in, and I do that regularly. I mean, don't, don't ladies, don't, don't you, you know, my, my wife had me put a full length mirror on the bedroom door. It hangs on the bedroom door. We can take it down or put it back up when we need to if we're traveling or whatever. Because where the mirror is in the, in the, that came with the camper is not exactly efficient. And, uh, and so we put that there. And I, and I watched Debbie and she, you know, I, I used the mirror to get my tie and so forth, but I watch her, and she's looking at stuff, and she's checking the bottom of her hem, and she's looking for this, and she's checking all that stuff out. Before, I mean, before she ever comes out of the bedroom, she sort of checks herself over. Ladies, don't you all do that all the time? You do. Well, well, the same thing is kind of true about when you go to meet the world, when you're going to step out for the day, you kind of have checked yourself over. Or you get through something and maybe it agitated you. Maybe you just need to stop for a minute and check yourself over. <laughs> Having that desire, that awareness, what does it produce? Look, look. I asked you to go to 2 Corinthians 7. I hadn't forgot. Look in verse 1. Having therefore these, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. That word cleanse there, that's where you get the word catharsis. Catharsis. And that word, a cathartic thing, is something that purges you. It purges you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Sister Abby, when, when, when uh, well, there you are, Sister Rebecca. It's kind of like, no, that, yeah, that's Sister Rebecca back there. It's kind of like, you know, when you got somebody with an abscessed tooth, don't they usually say, well, this is going to be two appointments before we can pull this or before we can put a filling in it? She's nodding her head up and down. The first thing they got to do is they got to get rid of that abscess, right? They got to clean that out. So sometimes they lance your gum and get that abscess out or they, or, and they give you some antibiotics to take home or they drain it or they do whatever. They have a lot of techniques to do that. You say, why do they do that? Well, they don't want the poison to spread. Should they, should they go ahead and pull your tooth like that? And the second thing is, the Novocaine, if that's what they're still using, won't work. That, that abscess has got such an acidity to it that it breaks down the, the body's ability to use that, that Novocaine so that you don't feel it when he pulls that tooth or goes to drilling. You're going to want that out of there. You're going to want a little catharsis. <laughs> so you will feel better about what they're fixing to do to that tooth. Same thing is true here. That it is, it is, Sister Abby, it's like when they, when they irrigate a wound. There's a pressure on there that gets put on that tissue that cleans out that infection that actually helps to promote the healing of that wound. And so when you and I get the, in judging ourselves, when we get the abscess out, then the healing can begin. When you and I bring that thing before the Lord, then you and I can have the healing process to begin. And it does us such good. I mean, even David said this. 
You know, and there, and, and with it comes a reality of walking circumspectly. David said this, who can understand his errors? And we, we, we speak so many words in a day. We make so many transactions in a day. We greet so many, particularly those of you that are out in the public and working and with your businesses and the like, and you're greeting people all the time. David said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I'll be innocent from the great transgression. Cleanse me from secret faults, even things that I'm not even aware of in the day that I might have. You know, and because what happens, if, if what this will produce is that you, beloved, will not become calloused in your walk, as we see so many people today. You see so much stuff in social media, how hard they are and how ugly they are, and, and it's just another log on the fire, and man, they're going to burn and all this kind of stuff. It's like when Jesus said, man, you know not what spirit you're of. I, I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to be a good citizen as well as a good Christian. I want to vote, use all the, use all the legal things that I have, recall and referendum, and, and, you know, and you say, well, that stuff doesn't work. I, I, I differ with you. Those founding fathers put it in there for it to work. And there still is a God in heaven that's over all this mess. And sometimes, you know, it's been said talking to God about the problem is more than talking to the guys with the problem about God. You won't be calloused without feeling and you won't be careless with your walk and your life. The desire of our heart should be to avoid that divine displeasure. Go back to Romans 14 and I'll be done. I'm not going to have an invitation this morning. I just want you to think about this, church. I want you to think about these things. Keep these things in mind because, you know what, it's like we were talking this morning. I, I, I said to uh, a family back here, and I said, cheer up. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, Brother Kate. But, but God is not wringing his hands in heaven. And I still have a responsibility to do right regardless of what they do. Because as we heard so well put in Sunday school, man, I want the blessings of God. One of the things there was to seek peace. It doesn't mean have a yellow stripe up your back and not stand. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about rolling over now. So please, you know, please don't confuse meekness for weakness. Those are two very different things. Gentleness is still in the book. Still is for us to be, to practice gentleness. And if you're going to judge something, judge this. I read it to you already. Look at verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. If I'm going to do that consistently, that means I have to be looking after myself, that I don't do something that's unseemly. You know, we had a there was a, a visitor in the park. 
and they just took it upon themselves. They parked in a space that I have. They just parked some of their equipment in my space. I had already moved my truck and I looked at that and I said, gosh, you know, they, they, they didn't even ask, you know, and I probably would have said it was fine, you know, to do that, but they didn't even ask. And so we went to church and I came back and that, that vehicle that they had parked there, their equipment was gone. And, uh, and, and Debbie said, and please, she wasn't trying to be uncharitable. She just said, are you going to park over there? And I, and, and I, I thought about it and, and the Lord said to me, that would be unseemly. I didn't need to get my boat out. It'd be one thing if I needed to get it out. But I pulled back in my regular space, and if they wanted to be there, they were only going to be there for a day or two longer, and it wasn't going to make any difference. You understand? Yes, I know the space was mine. Big deal. What's a 12 by 8 piece of concrete? I'm just saying that be mindful of yourself in these days. Don't don't fall prey to that stuff. It's so easy to to get on board. Do you remember when da- do you remember when David was there in the cave and his men were saying, "Oh man, there he is. You got him, son. You can get Saul." Oh, buddy, this is what you've been waiting for. Man, we won't do it. We, we saved him for you, man. You can go get him, David. Get him. I mean, look at all the things he's done through that javelin at you, spread all these things about you and got the whole whole countryside uh, uh, you know, after you and everything and And David didn't do it. And when he went over there and cut off that piece of garment, I believe he was ashamed for what he did do, even though he pointed it out to Saul. And that's the reason why David, when he was thirsty, said, man, I'd love to have some of that water out of Bethlehem, out of that well that's over there. Those soldiers heard that and said, man, let's go get that for our David. And so they escaped and evaded. You know, that's military talk. They got down there and got through the lines. I don't know if they dressed up like the rest of those, whoever was there, Philistines or whatever, but they got through there and got that dipper out and brought it back to David. And they were just so pleased to give that to David. What did David do? Did David say, boys, thank you, man. There's nothing like the water out of the well of Jerusalem. Bethlehem." He didn't do that. He poured it out before the Lord and said, is this not the blood of these men? That is character. But to me, that's Christ-like character. I hope that's the desire of your heart, to have Christ-like character. It is of mine. I don't always get it right. But when I don't, I want it to be right. Amen? Let's stand. I promise you I wouldn't try to make you feel bad today. I just want you to be mindful of some things. You know, because you and I are supposed to be ambassadors for the Lord. And if we get in some offhanded conversation someday, some visitor may walk in here and hear how you just kind of piled it on with somebody else that maybe you'll never see again, but this person walked in and they remember you. I will tell you, seniors, you, you, some of you weren't here on Wednesday, and I, I promise you I'm going to be done. It's just now, now 12.03. The power company met at, at um, Splendor Cafe and Barbecue, and we asked the waitress, we we're getting ready to pray over the food, and it hadn't arrived yet. We we're getting ready to pray. And I asked her, I said, is there anything that we can pray about for you? 
And she just kind of looked, was uh, kind of taken back by that. And she said, well, this is the first day of school for my children. Would you pray for them? And we asked their names, didn't we? And we, we bowed our head. We, we, we prayed for her kids and so forth. We didn't say anything more about it. We had our meal. It was good. It was on time. We thanked her for everything. Well, this past week, Debbie and I, we had occasion to go by there, and there was a waiter in there. And I was asking him about if I wanted to cater something, you know, for, for our power company. He goes, weren't you here about two weeks ago? And I said, we were. And he said, you were sitting right there. And he said, all those nice people, they were so nice to her. Evidently, she went in the back and told somebody what you all, what, when they saw us bow and pray for her family, that that made a difference for her. And out of that conversation, he asked me about some stuff. And then, it, and then he goes, are you all about done? Don't leave yet. And so he goes in the back. He said, I might get in trouble, but I want you to see this. He brings me out a backpack, and he showed me his Bible, telling me about how he got saved and baptized, and his wife brought the gospel home. I mean, we just fellowshiped there for about 30 minutes. And he'd say, i got to go check on their food. I said, okay, you know, just starving for some fellowship. And he said, y'all were so nice. Remember, no man lives unto himself, no man dies unto himself. You have an impact. Be little in your own sight, but also remember that you have an impact on the people around you. And you want it to be effective, amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for my church family. And I pray, dear God, you'll bless them as they make their way home. And I pray, Lord, they might meditate upon these truths. Think about these things, Father. The next time uh, someone provokes them or, or tries to get them worked up, Lord, on the job or wherever it might be, Father, help us to set a guard over our lips as we heard in Sunday school. Help me not to sin with my mouth and in my heart. But Lord, help me to keep a watchful eye over my own soul. Help them do the same. We love you and we need you, Father. And we're, we want your blessings. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.